Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That, a podcast where we discuss films that we feel may be underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. I'm Josh Hallam, and I'm here with Alice Oliver. Alice, how are you? Josh, I'm pretty good as always, thank you. And yourself? Uh, Yes, I'm very well, thank you. We are joined today by some very uh, special guests. Uh, They're a writing and directing brotherly duo, Ben and Chris Blaine. How are you? Very good. And yourself, Ben? Yes, I I am also good. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so we always start with a completely random question. Um, so I'll come to Alice first to, to give you an idea. Alice, have you ever been told you look like anyone famous? So when I was a teenager, I did get told that I looked like Avril Lavigne, but I think that was just because I used to wear eyeliner that was about an inch thick under my eye. So I don't think I actually looked like her. But then more recently, I actually got Stacey Dooley, which I didn't think was too bad. But I think that's literally just because we're both ginger. I don't think we actually <laughs> look anything alike. But uh, apart from that, no, nothing, no one too offensive, really, either. Um, what about you, Josh? Have you? No one that I'd like to write home about. Um, <laughs> I, I've had um, Anton Dubeck <laughs> from, oh God, yeah. from Strictly Come Dancing, which, which in its own way then means I get Rob Ryden because they look like each other. Oh my um, God, I see it now. The best, I have, the best I've ever got is like a, a like someone once said I looked a bit like a sort of disheveled Michael Bublé, which Ooh. I'd take that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'd, definitely, I'd take that all definitely. day, but. Um, Someone once said that I look like, um, and I don't know how they managed to say, they said I look like Buzz Lightyear. Uh, oh, yeah. A cartoon. Yeah. No, I could see that. I've got quite a big head. It's the jaw, man. It's the jaw. Yeah. 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 Does wonders for your confidence, this question. I wish I hadn't thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just go with Michael Buble every time, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, Just as I say, Michael, Michael Buble in his pomp is what I was told. Now, um, uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, when I don't have uh, lots of hair and a beard, um, then people sometimes think I look like Heston Blumenthal. Oh, yeah, I can kind of oh, see that. Yeah. I can see that, totally. Yeah, I can kind of yeah. see that, yeah. Uh, ben, what about you? Uh... Well, there's one um, main one, but I will point out there was also a point when uh, Heston and Delia did a kind of joint advert for Waitrose that was half of their faces on either side of a poster, (laughs) and that did look distressingly like the pair of us. (laughs) 
but yeah, mainly uh, people think that I look like Bob Geldof. Oh, yeah. Oh, a little yeah. bit. Okay. Yeah. A very, very young Bob Geldof. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. and a bit more like tidier. Like, yeah, today. No, today. no offense to yeah. no I'll offense to Sir Bob. Today, so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's uh, yeah it's haunted me through throughout most of my life, um, and also as a teenager, I used to habitually wear a top hat, uh, and so would be called Jay Demaricoy uh, at um, uh, regular intervals as well. So, did you the, really? The, did you really wear a top hat I as really a teenager? Did, wear a top did hat. you? Yeah. That's yeah. very cool. Like to school and stuff. Yes. Well, not. Oh, I mean, wow. on occasions they wouldn't generally when, let me. on Mufti Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're allowed to come in with whatever you're, yeah, whatever you're wearing, and he would come. Yeah, oh, wow. that was as if I wanted to be bullied. As if I yeah. actually <laughs> wanted everyone to be mean to me. That was. Sort of <laughs> well, we'll move on to, to talking about this week's film. Then the film uh, <laughs> that um, uh, Chris and Ben have chosen between them is a film called Young Adam from 2003. Um, so, spoiler warning: um, if if you've not. Uh, not seen it to, to give you a little bit of background on the plot if you've not seen it it's sort of it's set in the 50s ewan mcgregor plays joe who who is a young drifter who's working on a canal barge who's owned by a married couple named ella and les they're played by tilda swinton and peter mullen at uh, one day joe and les pull out the body of a young woman from from the river from the water and this sort of sets off a chain of events in which it's revealed that joe had a lot more to do with the young woman shall we say than he's than he's letting on and meanwhile he enters into an affair with the unhappy unhappily married ella who's played by Tilda Swinton, and things kind of begin to unravel in a sort of a observation of his of his morality. So quite interested to know, um, did you pick this because you think it is underrated, underseen, or you just wanted to talk about it, or a bit of, bit of a few things? Uh, come to you first, Chris. Uh, I think I would be putting it in the underseen category, actually. You know, it's kind of, um, it's a really great film and feels like one that is, yeah, kind of forgotten about a little bit. Um, did you sort of did either of you did you did you just come to an agreement on this or did um did one of you pick it or uh we actually uh came together thinking a whole bunch of a list of stuff because we were a little worried that we would basically just be giving you incredibly obscure <laughs> stuff that you'd be like okay what's that um so yeah we tried to give you a little bit of a range of of, of choice but um yeah young adams always sat there as being like a, a five-star movie and also is one of the f uh, i think is it the first um by oh my brain's gone completely uh david uh, mckenzie david, Mc david yeah, mckenzie second, actually. second film uh yeah. who yeah he's just great and has gone on to make some amazing films like Hello High Water, which is just perfect. And so it's really interesting going back to one of his earlier ones to see the progression of his filmmaking, you know, and uh, yeah, how he was doing stuff then. Yeah, and and like you say, he's just, he's he's gone on to, to bigger and better things. Ben, would you would you agree? Sort of underseen, under a bit, a little bit underrated as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, underseen, underregarded, and. Um... Yeah, yeah, w w worth a second look, I think. I think so, and uh, so I'm interested to know, Alice, because we don't really discuss the films before we we sort of record, and uh, we try we try and take as fresh a look at it as we can. Have you seen this one before, Alice? 
I hadn't seen of it. I hadn't seen of it. I hadn't seen it. I hadn't heard of it. And I found that it was quite difficult to actually get hold of. Uh, mm. So I feel like that really adds to the underseen because I feel like a film is going to be incredibly underseen if it's just not readily available. You know, it wasn't just a case of popping on Netflix or Amazon and there it was. Yeah, uh, so that I think was interesting. It's, it's about to go on Apple. And I think that they've literally uh, just taken it off everywhere and I think uh, around the middle of February, by the time this goes out, it will actually be more widely available again, which is is good for the people listening to this podcast. But yeah, it was quite difficult last night when I thought I should rewatch it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so why why was that then? Is that because Apple got a hold of it and they were like, right, remove it from everywhere, so I so, so, so we yeah. can help? Yeah, whatever yeah. they whatever they say goes. Otherwise, uh, everyone's mm-hmm. information ends up in the cloud. Um, josh what about you were you familiar with this one i'd I'd heard i knew of the director and and i think i'd heard of the title but i'd never seen it and i was quite surprised that like you say it is quite underseen because obviously it's it's got a fairly known cast in it it's certainly you know ewan mcgregor peter mullen and and tilda swinton obviously three three massive stars in in their own right so um i was i was interested to watch this so um i'll come to you first alice What, what did you think um, so I did really enjoy it, and I think that there were really lot of a lot of good points about it. So I love the barge as a location and as as such a like staple of the film. I thought that was great, and then obviously the river then that comes with that, and you get such great sounds and such great sights from that being like this moving location. So I thought that was great, and it it sort of adds. Because it kind, it's kind of intimate but uncomfortable at the same time. Because obviously they're all living in such close proximity to each other, and it's quite a strange dy- dynamic. And you're not 100 percent sure, like, like sort of who's who, and like ha- how is each character sort of related to one another? Because you don't get. I really like this about it. You don't just get these endless lines of dialogue explaining everything and explaining who everyone is. Like it was really just a show, don't tell. Like there was barely any dialogue in it at all, really. I can't imagine that the script was pages and pages long. So I really like that. It was really just kind of more more of a visual storytelling than just, hi, I'm this character. It's like, oh, hey, I'm this character, which can just be a bit, you know, just a bit vapid sometimes, I feel. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't sort of, um, it doesn't spoon feed you as the audience. It allows you to sort of fill in the blanks and 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 because it's told in a, in a non-linear way in terms of skipping between the the past and the present that is that slow reveal of what has actually happened in the characters lives is where you get i think the satisfaction from and you're right the script does a lot with little so like there's some really sort of interesting monologues in there like one of the lines i wrote down in my notes was i've shed my own skin and moved into the fog which i really enjoyed i thought that was like a really sort of visceral almost visual line and you can tell that the character himself is meant to be a, a writer and we know you know writers like to write writers because you write what you know i guess so no i agree i thought the script was was really interesting and i like that slow reveal um i don't know ben what did you think of the script yeah i mean the script is um fantastic the script is also interesting because it, it's a very very um truthful representation of the novel that it's based on the Alexandra Trotchy book and that line is kind of that you pick is actually kind of one of the most famous lines from mm. the book um and actually sort of going back to the book it's really interesting to see how um because Mackenzie wrote the script as well as directing it how, how kind of faithful he's been even in sort of terms of quite often 
like at the start, like that potato that she throws into the bucket, that is a specific thing from the, you know, that is like, that really matters, Mm. that potato. Um, But um, yeah, I just think, again, he's done a really, really good job of like the big difference from the, because the book is all entirely inside Joe's head and is entirely kind of this sort of interior narrative, um, which of course is a bit similar to kind of um, the other kind of famous Scottish um, misanthrope that uh, Gunnar McGregor played um, from Trainspotting, where again, that book is a very kind of internal thing that then has been turned into a much more kind of external. Obviously, they heavily rely on voiceover. Whereas this, all of the kind of internal kind of craziness that's going on inside Joe is done entirely through performance. Um, And I think what's interesting about the script is how much confidence he has as a director and as a writer to give stuff to the actors and to let the actors take it on. And in some ways it's, you know, some of the stuff, I think particularly Tilda Swinton, which she brings to that character um, is much more nuanced and insight than that character has in the book. Not that it isn't, you know, it is definitely written, you know, she's taking what's there on the page, but there are a couple of moments that like a kind of, you know, almost her last moment in the film where um, Ewan McGregor's character is just leaving the boat with her sister. And she just looks back at him, sort of longing for this kind of connection between them. And it's it's just her performance. It's just the way that she does that. And there's no hint of that in the book. And I think it's really interesting, kind of, again, sort of watching, uh, watching a director kind of see where a thing has its weaknesses and where its strengths are and going, well, okay, it's weak here. So what do I do to support that to, to yeah how do i bring the the sort of more dimmer parts to life if you if you like and 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 you're yeah. right a, a good thing about the direction of it is that he he obviously lets the actors he has his faith in these actors who are obviously very well accomplished actors to bring the character um, yeah. to bring you, the characters to if life you can't have faith in Tilda Swinton, well yeah you might as well you yeah. might as well give up because who else are you gonna get i mean she's <laughs> she could play anybody she could play that potato at yeah. the start and she'd probably yeah. she'd probably be in heavy makeup and be pretty good but no, you're right, and and the the love and and sort of affection the director and obviously he, who also wrote it has for the for the piece for the book is is quite clear because I think I read somewhere he spent something like ten ten years developing it yeah. and that's that's quite clear that he's he's gone through it with a fine tooth comb and chosen what he wants to keep and and chosen what he wants to sort of highlight um, if, yeah. if if you like. Uh, what about you, Chris? Did you sort of like the like the script? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, there's a real darkly comic thing going on all the way through it you know where you're kind of like yeah blackly comic I suppose is actually the the best way of describing it because it really is like you just have to be a bit jet black to just find mm. where it's going funny but it sort of is funny um <laughs> I find anyway but uh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I do indeed enjoy it very much interesting that you feel like you found it funny and then Josh you sort of nodded a bit there maybe I I had a different viewing experience I didn't I didn't really find it funny at all isn't that interesting though that it you is kind of come away with it with such a different view it is and that but that's like why we like talking about stuff like that isn't it because everyone has their own reactions I, I know exactly what you mean Chris in sort of the the, the absolute almost desperation and, and grit of the film how that's kind of funny and in, in the way that despite the fact the way he's living, he still sees himself as this, you know, a moralistic drifter come writer, if you will. And he's one of these people, he's, he's got flexible morals in the sense of he'll just do whatever 
whatever suits him. Um, like like you I mean, say, I mean, I think literally every single female character in the film he has sex with. I've written that in my notes. Literally, there's not a <laughs> single adult female who he doesn't have sex with. Apart, if you don't count the extras in the courtroom scene, and we can't write <laughs> yeah. it out, we can't write that out. So. <laughs> um, yeah, but you just go, you know, you sort of get to a point where it's like, uh, you know, meets the guy in the pub who's like, oh yeah, I'm looking for a lodger. Yeah, I work nights. Mm. It's just like Bingo. <laughs> it's just like, oh dear, oh dear. This is just yeah, and uh, just a complete circle of yeah, just a vicious circle that's just getting deeper and deeper on him. I think what's interesting is it's people talk about it as Drotch's first novel, but looking into it, it it's the first of his kind of long series of pornographic books that he took some of the porn out of and then published it, got it published as a kind of straight novel. So like, you know, I imagine the original draft, uh, he probably did sleep with everyone in the courtroom <laughs> as well. Um, but it, it like, it, it's interesting. It's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's, re it's really fascinating again, seeing something that's so, that comes from somewhere so tawdry and like still has that stamped into it, but within the kind of, crazy soft porn kind of you know like it, it's it's almost like you know adventures of a window cleaner you know adventures of a no you're man. right you are the, the sort of yeah the, the the correlation between those two things is very strange when i was when i was looking for it to watch it when it said erotic thriller or erotic drama i was like i wasn't expecting that to be honest like <laughs> <laughs> and um but i quite like the fact that it, it is an erotic drama erotic thriller but it's almost like a like a kitchen sink drama or like a Mike Lee film at the same time. It's it's not yeah. you know it's not Fatal Attraction or Striptease or you know one of these sort of early nineties um, erotic thrillers, Basic Instinct, if you like. But it is an erotic thriller. It's like a real erotic thriller set in the fifties. Yeah, yeah. In, in that sense, and I and that's something I quite like. I like that that that's not something I, certainly not something I'd seen done before. Yeah, yeah, and you sort of I mean, especially when you think if. Yeah, if you're going, okay, right, you're going to write an erotic thriller as a movie, then you're like, yeah, okay, the noose starts tightening around him and, oh, my goodness, what scrapes he going to get into? And the way, that the direction that the film goes to actually squeeze the noose around him is really interesting because it's, you know, effectively he's getting away scot-free, except he's really not. Yeah, I think that, I mean, again, that's almost one of the reasons why, I could, where that sort of black sense of humour comes from because... He actually wins at every turn. Mm. Everything he wants, he gets, but just in the worst possible way and in a way that destroys him. Mm. And I think it's really, like, it's really fascinating because, as Chris says, he doesn't ever, nothing actually goes wrong for him. Just everything goes wrong for him, you know, but it's kind of like, you know, his ex-girlfriend turns up and she's pregnant and he doesn't want anything more to do with her and she falls into the canal and dies. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't even push and, her, she just like, falls. Yeah, it's not like he doesn't he doesn't even behave awfully. It's just gone forever from his life. And I mean he could have he could have 
tried to, you know, Rest. jump in at least. <laughs> like he's, he's definitely shown that he can jump into water and save someone <laughs> earlier in the movie. Um, that is yeah. true. That someone is true. who about he, three minutes before uh, she falls in, he's gone, yeah, there's this really annoying kid on the boat <laughs> who he has saved that kid's life. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's, but again, it's, it's like at that moment in time when she's like, look, I'm, you know, I'm pregnant. Or he, he does want her to just disappear. And then she does. And it's, you know, again, it's, 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 yeah, everything he's wants to get. It's a little bit, a little bit monkey's paw, isn't it? It's a, it's a little bit sort of yeah. like care for what you wish for, but also, he but with a touch of a moralistic sort of weird sort of examination of why he's doing these things. Like you say, the the laws of a of a of a happy narrative, if you want a happy ending, are that something happens at the end, the guy doesn't get hung, and you know he maybe he doesn't get hung, maybe he gets away or something like that. But no, he just sort of lets him die and then that's it and it's like oh it's quite it's quite but that is is that what more people would do than in the sort of you know fairy tale version of this story probably yeah where he yeah the version where he stands up in court and shouts it wasn't him uh so yeah not a good film but it's it's interesting as well because he also he he almost does nothing like he's an incredible it reminded me weirdly of hamlet Mm. in the Hamlet sort of famously spends sort of you know three hours supposedly not quite doing anything but actually you know he does kill quite a few people and you know like he actually did he puts on a play you know it's like he does all sorts of things where <laughs> <Quite> accomplished <laughs> exactly yeah you know um, it's quite a lot for your CV there you know? <laughs> yeah you know he's also a door monitor I expect um but it, whereas Joe in this you know apart apart from you know having sex with literally everybody doesn't actually, you know, he doesn't write a book. He doesn't go to China. He doesn't kill his ex-girlfriend. He, you know, the one thing he does, he does actively do that feels like a decision. Because even sleeping with people, he doesn't commit to a new relationship with someone. He just has sex with them in that moment and then usually wants to never see them again. The one thing that he does do is write this letter saying, I can't tell you how I know this, but I know that this guy's innocent. And it takes that kind of like, you know, it's the bit where it sort of walks in, it's like there's the risk of dropping the letter off. And I just think it's really beautiful. His surprise is almost sort of our surprise in watching films of that then does nothing in the way that, of course, it does nothing. And but because it's a film, you sort of expect like he drops the letter and, you know, like you see the clerk kind of pick it up and you're kind of like, yeah, and then we're like probably going to follow that letter and you know, like the guy's going to be going out to the gallows and something, and they come running out with a letter, and it's like, no, no, it's just, just can't prove it. Carry on. No yeah, one paid I, I feel like there was a the lot guy, of yeah. that going on. This sort of moments that would be like truly like remarkable or really dramatic in ordinary films were just not in this. So, like you say, when Kathy yeah. falls into the water, she just falls and she's gone. There's no struggle. There's no, you know, there's no weapons. He didn't push her. She's not screaming or anything. It's just one second she's there and then she's gone. And then it happens again when joe and ella they wake up they've accidentally fallen asleep after having sex and they can hear les sort of stomping on the boat above and there's no mad rush to try and get dressed and like oh shit he's he knows we're here or whatever they're not you know charging to be all apologetic to him or whatever they're just like oh do you think he knows so like yeah he knows and it's all just like 
it's so much underreacting and just no overreacting. And I really like that because you can see as the, as these moments are building and you're like, oh, 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 we're about to have the big confrontation. This is going to happen, especially like you say with the letter. And it's just like, he's going to go, wait, this man is innocent. And it's like, nope, it just doesn't happen at all. And I feel like that leaves you with like a really, a really different feeling to, to most other films. And I really appreciated that for sure. It's very, it's very yeah. naturalistic, isn't it? Yeah, again, like that moment with with Les when he comes back and finds him in bed. Again, what I thought was so brilliant was again this way of of writing problems as successes is so surprising and so powerful. So they kind of have this standoff, and Joe's like, "You can hit me if you want," and kind of Peter Mullen as Les kind of comes up to him and sort of goes to swing and then doesn't, and then basically says, "Well, it's not my boat, so I'm leaving." And you just hadn't seen that coming at all because he's been such the kind of alpha male, awful figure that you hadn't realised that, that Tilda Swinton's character is actually in charge all the way along and he just packs his stuff and goes. And suddenly, without, you know, Joe's won this whole new life without trying, without wanting to. And suddenly it's like, oh, this is my problem. I'm now living on a barge with this woman who wants to move to the suburbs of Leith. It's like, how did that happen? It's It's this sort of fantastic kind of... He's won, but won nothing he wanted. Like yeah, he's yeah. won like mediocrity. Yeah, <laughs> you know and you're being right. A stepdad, yeah. which I don't think he really to a, wants. To a, to a <laughs> keeps saying he wants to kick off the boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I suppose really you're going. He, what he wants is punishment. I mean, like yeah, yeah, and he doesn't ever get that gratification. Basically, he wants yeah. punishment almost so he has the so he's absolved. But actually, he kind of doesn't want punishment because if he did he would have given himself up he wants to say yeah. he's done what he can but like you say it's that studying him being this amoralistic sort of character and and, and like you say ben that the film kind of happens to him as it's happening to us as the viewer and that that's quite interesting that the it's something that's so naturalistic and the stakes are kind of with the exception of that hanging the stakes are just so low because yeah. no and even then the hanging is kind of it's yeah, not it's, him. Uh, yeah, it's, it's no one you really know. Yeah. Um, one thing I was quite interested that I, I think I would say I, I did love the script and I love the performance. It's one of the things I really, really loved. And I'm not someone who knows that much about the practical side of filmmaking, but I loved the cinematography. So, like the yeah. shots of there's there's a couple of shots of um, particularly you and McGregor and Peter Mullen walking over the top of the barge as it's moving and it's quite hypnotic you know it's like a it's like a lava lamp or something as he's as he's walk, <laughs> as he's walking across the, the canal barge i like that and i liked you know everything is foggy and their fingernails are grimy you know like it's like i was saying it's not the it is this is not a polished world that we're living in this is a real 1950s world where you know people are poor and people are washing in tin baths and and all that sort of thing and i and i quite like that i quite that mixed with you know shots of the canal moving through these tiny claustrophobic uh, corridors of, of water in with houses either side or going into tunnels with, you know, people having to duck and it all builds that claustrophobia. But I really liked that combining that with the, the kind of color palette of the film. It, it gave it all the look of like a, I guess quite like a bleak painting or something like that. And, and that really, I think that really helped draw you into the world if you like. It didn't feel yeah, like sure. 1950s. It felt like ages ago. Like it felt like it could have been at the, in the early 1800s or something. Like it didn't feel like it was only then. Like when you think about like, you know, the kind of musicians and kind of the scene that was going on in the 50s, this just feels totally, completely removed from all that. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. It, there was interesting one f- subsequent film that it reminded me of watching it again was um oh god, Oscar Isaac. Oh, Cameron inside Lewin Davis. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Similar similar period and has that same kind of like a lead character who is constantly not engaging and not not taking action. Um, I mean, that's a Coen Brothers movie, isn't it? Or you kind of go, yeah, I, mean, but that's, that's, I was actually going to bring up the Coens of the way you go, this is like a straight version of a Coen Brothers movie, which is kind of where, you know, the black humour in effect, where you go, the Coens, if they made this as a film, they would just be laughing their asses off all the way through <laughs> it. Um, you know, like Peter Mullen would be played by, I guess, Michael Badalucci, you know, you're like, definitely, it's a fat man who's going to do some shouting. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, they'd, they'd lean in a bit uh, to to the dialogue, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, this is definitely much straighter than that. Particularly the custard. <laughs> I thought that. I the thought dialogue. that scene was oh, was yeah. I, that scene was fantastically brutal. That that yeah. and that yeah. reminded me of things like that I've seen at the theatre, you know, and like I say, things like Mike Lee films, you know, where this sort of brute of the man, or actually, funnily enough, a little bit like um, speaking of Peter Mullen, a little bit like something like Tyrannosaur. You know, this sort of brutal yeah. show of animalistic strength, you know, domination. And it was quite difficult, which is like you say, in the wrong hands. It's kind of, that could be played for laughs, that scene, throwing custard over someone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Emily Mortimer is just um, amazing in that scene where you're going, there are so many emotions that she's expressing through all of that, what's happening to her, that it's really, you know, like a, a straighter way of doing that scene is, well, this is terrible. Um, but she's not. She's kind of like, there's parts where you're going, oh, are you actually enjoying this? I'm not quite sure. And then when it when she breaks, you're like, whoa, that's actually, yeah, that's really harsh. Yeah. I mean, again, that is going back to the book. That is all literally, that you know, what paid line for line. Like the only sort of difference between how that's written is that, um the source gets more complicated in the book um, <laughs> and, and involves some blue ink and stuff that he goes to find, which um, I can see why they just turned that into ketchup and brown sauce. Um, but, but again, and again, the kind of... What the, was the, 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 the stuff that he sprinkled on afterwards? What's that? Flour. Flour, okay. Yeah, it's flour, yeah. And again, in the kind of, in the book, it is really completely ambivalent and unsure as to whether she is laughing or crying. And I thought, again, the way that they captured that in the film was really, really powerful. And again, but, but then equally, sort of similar to kind of, you know, Tilda Swinton, I thought some of the later scenes with her particularly, like the beautiful scene um, when they say goodbye with that spiral staircase. Um, I th- yeah, again, what Emily Mortimer brings to that character um, is so much depth and reality that I think makes, in some ways, makes the film actually better than the book because the book sort of deliberately doesn't want to give any other characters any kind of... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Reality to them. You know, you see everyone through him and he doesn't see anyone as real. And the film can't do that. And or or rather, the film could do that. Many films do do that. Um, and I think what's so brilliant about the film is that it has the space to let those side characters breathe and become real, and let you then see him for the the damaged, shallow, struggling person that he is, rather than just seeing them through him. So I I, I read a little bit about the book, having watched the film. So is it is it much different? I mean, you've already sort of touched on this, but is it is it pretty much the same or? it's pretty much this yeah it's i mean clearly it's a you know it's a, a labor of love for Mackenzie. clearly kind of you know wanted to capture that book and like the, interestingly one of the biggest and it's so tiny but also sort of huge differences is um the ending because the book ends in the courtroom and it's so it's just you know like there's just one more scene in the film but i think what like the, the ending in the film clearly is another reference back to Again, the line that you quoted, the kind of, I lose myself and become one with the mist. And that's McGregor sort of going, it goes back to the place where she fell in and looks and then walks away and we kind of lose him. And brilliantly, he doesn't look into the camera. There was a moment where I was like, oh God, does he look into the camera at this point? Which would have been really kind of... <laughs> the end of the Bourne identity or something. Like yeah. Mo- Moby starts playing and he walks, <laughs> <laughs> walks off into another European country. DiCaprio at the end of The Revenant, you know, where you're yeah. kind of like, do you understand the pain I've been through? You're like, yeah, yeah, we've been watching, mate. We've been watching. <laughs> it's, been, it's quite long. I've seen a lot yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I suppose we haven't really touched on um, on Ewan McGregor's performance that much. What? Because he would have been, this would have been quite sort of peak Star Wars, it, you know, I mean, a huge it's, pre- it's just pre-Star Wars, but it's interesting because it's, I was thinking about, I mean, the whole film is, 
you know, it came out in 2003, but like you say, it took 10 years to, to do. And watching it now, it, it really struck me how it is, feels like the last film of the 90s and how filmmaking changed since then, you know, and like what could get made changed after that. And for him too, it's kind of like after this, he's all Star Wars and this, that and the other. But yeah. it's, you know, and, you know, he's he's recently sort of been able to come back and do do some fantastic performances but he went through a, a very kind of a, a lost period didn't he where he sort of you know was just earning a lot of money and being very successful but wasn't in a place to kind of deliver this kind of performance which I think is so contained and again mm. could be so and uh, uh, and he's so charming whilst being so oh, grim grim that's not quite the right word is it but He's not bleak, a like- bleak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. Char- he's, charming he, was being unlikable. Yeah, he is. He is. You are. You are right. And if he was, you know, a real person, he is. If you actually look at his actions, you know, he is a bit of a scumbag. Yeah. Like you yeah, know, he he doesn't act in a sort of nice way. He treat you know he objectifies and treats women like objects. You know, he is like we've already said, sort of not very morally. He's quite morally ambiguous, I guess. Yeah. And that's a difficult thing to play whilst also making him a likable person. I think that's, I mean, I suppose in a way that is Ewan McGregor's greatest skill, I think, is, you know, I mean, because um, Brenton's like that in Trainspotting. It's mm. kind of like, he's not a nice person, but he's so charming because he's Ewan McGregor at the same time. Mm. And when I see Ewan McGregor being a nice person, like, I, I often just get overwhelmed by how nice Ewan McGregor is and it just becomes almost unwatchably nice and there's no <laughs> tension there. But when Yeah, you... it's much nicer when you're going, play an arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, play an arsehole. You're great at arseholes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I read, I think I read when I was reading about the film that this is one of the only films he didn't like take his family to set. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, I can see why A, it's on a canal barge and B, you know, doesn't wear clothes for a lot of it. Um, <laughs> so I can imagine why you wouldn't. What did, I mean, Alice, come to you. What did you think of his performance? Oh yeah, brilliant. I mean, he's he's brilliant in everything, right? And he's just nice to see. Like I just always enjoy seeing him on screen. Um, I've got a lot of respect for anyone who goes full frontal, mm. especially men as well. Like I feel like it is much more rare. Mm. Um, and I had thought that maybe that was why the film was so hard to find because obviously Tilda and Ewan McGregor now Disney own them both. So I was like, oh, if Disney tried to kind of have like quash it and be like, you can't get your dick out because the kids are gonna see or whatever. But no, no. Like you say, the other thing. Thing makes a lot more sense um but yeah no just brilliant and and they did try and cut that scene though when it was released in the states and he actually insisted um that that scene was included in it really That's interesting because i was surprised because we saw there was obviously a lot of female nudity and then i think it was only once where he was completely yeah. nude at the front yeah um but i was surprised i was just like oh because you just you just don't see it as much as yeah. naked women and i just i've got a lot of time for that it's nice to see nice to see some real equality yeah he's he's always very good with sex as well in terms of the playing of sex in the way that you truly believe that he is actually working his penis in and out you know and take it like but you, there, there is a thing of like take, you know, when you when you get to the point of like oh yeah have they just had sex and you know normally in films it's like and away we go, uh, you know, let's bring up the sheets and uh, all wasn't that lovely. And with him, he's always like, you know, there's a, a certain amount of like, there's a, in Trainspotting where he uh, has had sex with um, 
Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald's character, and she throws him out, and uh, then he's pulling off a condom whilst he's left in the corridor. You know, and it's like he's always got this sense of the physicality. He's not. He's willing to to do that in a way that a lot of people. It's like okay, I might show it, but I don't really want to go there in a way that he's just completely and utterly natural with it. Mm. And it, it must be so awkward as well, try, trying to act and, and with, with with a whole crew of people watching you and a, and a director going, no, not like that. You need to touch her ear or like, oh, no, just just pull, pull that up a little bit more and whatever. So I think they all did a really good job because there was a lot of sex in it. But every, everyone gave gave a cracking performance. It's very, the point where going, how, you know, the, the, is the fly in the book? Because that of the bits of filmmaking where you're just like, uh, so there's a, a a close-up shot of Tilda Swinton's breast with a fly crawling across it. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, that must have, how did you, how did you do that? Like, <laughs> that's actually kind of quite hard to accomplish. Like, you know, it's just a close-up, but it's like, you know. It's an incredible like, close-up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a strange day at work, isn't it? That? <laughs> Yeah, it certainly is. Okay, so get get the fly in. Okay. Yeah. How has worked? Well, uh, you know. <laughs> varnished planks did not fit tightly together and the varnish looked unsmooth and brittle. For the last few minutes, I'd been conscious of the buzz of a fly and now it alighted on Ella's shoulder and walked towards the nipple of her right breast. She oh. appeared to be unaware of it. Her head leant over to the side of her hairs of her temple was stringy with perspiration. I mean, you know, we, we so made a film cool. where we had actual moths in it and um, getting them out of their little containers and trying to revive them with sugar water. And it was all just quite hopeless. And we ended up CGIing, uh, doing CG moths to actually have anything flying around in the in what we were doing. And yeah, just that fly where you're like, OK, how did how did you do that? That's got to have taken ages, isn't it? So, you know, it's not like you can go, OK, so we just need you to, to walk from here to here. You know, okay, oh, that wasn't quite right. Let's do another take of that. It's the same fly that landed on Mike Pence, so... Uh, <laughs> still going strong yeah. <laughs> I don't know why but I love it I love it in films when people are just smoking constantly like just cigarette after cigarette not even cigarettes roll-ups as well and I don't even think he had any filters or anything I just love it I feel like there's just something so like I don't know just real about it and it's just really like working class and just really gritty oh. and I just really enjoyed that but I'm not sure why grim- I mean I do enjoy the occasional cigarette but yeah. Yeah. The, the grimness of the cigarette left on the floor whilst uh, yeah. doing it in the back alley yes that, that, that was good yeah. that was great because it's like oh that literally lasted about 10 seconds <laughs> yeah. like it was it was literally just oh better get in it oh I'm done and it's like oh okay okay just finish my cigarette yeah, no, that was good <laughs> She was brilliant as well as the sister. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, she does a lot with a sort of um, with only a few scenes, doesn't she? Yeah, and she's so different to Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton's so sort of reserved and 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 you know quite clearly unhappy and unfulfilled, so quite yeah. emotionless, but then very emotional in certain parts. But she is, you know, this grieving widow who is also feels something for Joe. And it's yeah, you're right. She does do it. She she does give a good performance. She's very outwardly sexual, though, as well. Like her whole look, like everything. I think even when they turn up, like her her top yeah. or whatever is like all done all the way down. She's like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't know you were coming." Or whatever. It's like, "Yeah, you did. Come on, you knew they were going to turn up." But I don't think she even tries to fix it either. It's like you think she's going to like put something on and cover her up. So she's just very, and she doesn't really seem to be 
I don't feel like she's sad, right? That her husband's yeah, no, died. She, isn't. she, she isn't. No. She happy about that? Was he a bit of a dick to her? That's the impression I yeah, got. Yeah, that's definitely the impression I got too. Yeah. 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 For sure. uh, so we'll move on now to things that we uh, perhaps uh, didn't like about the film or that we've changed. Um, Alice, is, is there anything you, for yourself? You know what? Pretty much, no. There wasn't anything that I didn't like necessarily. The only thing that I was a bit like, oh, was when he threw the typewriter in the river. I just thought that was really cheesy. I just felt like I'd seen that or seen similar things to that like a million times over. And it was just like, you know, the creative kind of being like, I'm never going to ride again. Um, but apart from, apart from that, no, not really. But I thought that that bit did stand out a little bit See, as being a little bit cheesy. I feel that's the sort of thing like a bit of a sort of pretentious writer would do. Except now it'd yeah. be a MacBook. But... <laughs> but, yeah. but, but I know what you mean. It, yeah, it did seem it's a little bit more dramatic than some of the other stuff is portrayed in the film, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those things that you couldn't you couldn't do that now, though, could you? Like throwing a typewriter into the canal is a is a certain kind of like nineteen fifties angsty writer thing to do. Whereas if you <laughs> yeah. threw your MacBook in, it's kind of like, well, all the files are stored in the cloud, so yeah. you've, you've just yeah. just wasted money there. Yeah, it's not, it's not the same. Is it? it's, it's all on my iPhone. <laughs> um, Chris, what about you? Uh, so the scene where they uh, have sex under the wagon in mm. cold wet rainy scotland uh on, on the docks and uh they're both butt naked and very sensual and slow and you're like <laughs> i mean that must have been fucking freezing <laughs> yeah. for them you know and so yeah just that sense of you know it's 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 portrayed as if you're in a really nice I mean, you know, effectively, the way it feels is like, yeah, they're in quite a warm space, but it looks really cold. Um, and yeah, uh, in in that respect, I would be like, wouldn't it have been a bit faster? <laughs> they probably would have been getting on with it a bit quicker, a little yeah, less. Yeah, there's a bit, there's a, there would be sort of no pillow talk or anything like that at the end. With the there should be sort of like, it is I freezing, like, though, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like you can see their breath, right? Mm, like you, you do can, really yeah. get a sense of how freezing cold it is, and they're acting like it's a July night in Spain or something. Yeah. it's like nah, but uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben, what about yourself? Uh, no, I mean the only th th thing is it is the um, the the book ends like I say the book ends in the courtroom and they do play the ending so it's literally he just sits there and can't believe that his writing of a letter hasn't changed the world um, and you know the man is taken away and the courtroom clears and he's just sat there on his own unable to move and. I can see why you then want to have the scene afterwards with him kind of walking away, but there's something, to, to me, there's something about particularly a character that starts out in motion on a barge, so he's sort of outdoors in motion, to end up with him stuck in this room, on, in this limbo of like it's a room where one character has gone off to punishment and he hasn't gone off to punishment but that's where he mm. should go. And so he can't go anywhere. Like, as a, yeah, I think if, you, if you'd found a way of ending it just there on, and really highlighting his lack of motion at that point, I think that would have been um, even more powerful. But that's, quite, It's quite poetic, isn't it? It sounds like the book yeah. has that sort of, you know, he's literally sitting in the room where justice is served, the scales are tipped, and yet he sits there in this limbo where the scales are tipped neither way and he just doesn't know what to do with himself. Yeah. 
That's interesting you're talking about the movement because of the way the film is shot. There's barely any camera movement in it. And the last shot is the, I think, the only one that I'm looking at going, oh, okay, you're using a jib whilst you're tracking around. Yeah. Everything else is kind of, is pretty, you know, like there's there's the occasional move in. Um, There's some tracking with the boats. Yeah. But uh that's about it it's it's really quite um yeah, it's very static isn't it yeah it is so yeah that sense of wanting that you know like you're going yeah well, i you feel like you wanted him to be stuck yeah is you're going well actually yeah the, ca- the camera's moving there which is mm-hmm. giving you that feeling of like oh do i do i actually want you to be doing that yeah 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 that's interesting yeah um, yeah, it's, it, it means it's funny, is that you can't really change. Like it is also a film that you like you couldn't make now. And I think that you know, like I do think that you know Swinton and um, Mortimer do in- incredible work to make the inherent misogyny of the story have more nuance to it, not make it more palatable, but to highlight that that's what it is. But it, I don't think it's a film that you could make now or would particularly would make now but i think it's really you know again it's a it's it's really interesting seeing you know like sort of like i say this sort of film that in some ways is the last film of the 90s and 80s and this sort of last it's sort of one of the last great I mean, jeremy thomas produced it and it came out at the same time as the dreamers and he sort of hasn't really hit a high since you know a, a, an equivalent high since then um and it's it's also it's kind of it's still you know it's looking back to the 1950s and that generation of kind of selfish angry white men who felt that they weren't getting what they deserved and you know like i I think if you work it out joe is actually about the same age as as either joe biden or, or donald trump um and that it's that it's it's sort of a really interesting like looking at as a you know the book in the 50s and then the film from the kind of late 90s early 2000s on that period it's a really interesting kind of um look back on britain across that period and britain in response to the war in particular and sort of what the war did to the generation that came after it and sort of what they inherited and how they dealt with that badly um it's funny yeah. it's funny you say that so where um <clears throat> where i'm originally from has a lot of canals this i am going somewhere this this isn't like <laughs> it has a lot of canals so a lot of the shots whereabouts uh, i'm so i'm from near um chorley and and then preston and so there's, there's a lot of canals there the manchester and the leeds liverpool canals yeah. and i also have family in clitheroe where there's a lot of sort of that that like you say like canals and stuff and and so when my grandma, who's now nearly 90, talks about her childhood and when she was a young woman, which would have been around this time, it I've never, now that I think about it, it I've never seen something that's probably closer than what I imagined. You know, like it's yeah. like we've said, you know, it, even right down to the color palette, it's like when, when people do describe that time, you almost see it in sepia, even though it yeah. wasn't, you know. Um, and and it's it's funny. I almost made me a little bit, um, especially given the fact that I can't go anywhere. Um, made me a little bit homesick, I guess, in that sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I threw my typewriter into a canal, and I was just yeah. <laughs> did, did did it make you 
think again about some of your grandmother's stories of her of her youth. <laughs> My uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you get up to back then? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, now that I th- now that I now that I think about it, especially this one about this. This bloke that she didn't <laughs> confess about, and then he got hung. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what's um, what's just want to ask? Um, what, why is it called Young Adam? Is that something that's explored at all in the book? Is it a reference to Adam from the Bible? That's just always what I assume when I hear the name Adam. Yeah, I think it's also the boat is called the Atlantic Eve, um, and that occurred to it me. Is. That- it is isn't it so i assume that it is it's not again it's not referenced in the book and i assume that it is a kind of a loss of innocence and that there is a kind of a loss of innocence arc you know i i I was like trying to why is it called young adam and the the closest thing i could find was it's a reference to the fall of man it's a reference to the to the loss of innocence in adam and eve that you know the garden of eden that whole the whole famous story (laughs) (laughs) you know the one one, the guys in the garden and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah of course oh the boat of course is called the Atlantic Eve yeah yeah cool okay thank you question answered for sure uh, so we will move on now to talking about the critical reception uh, that the film uh, received so obviously you got you picked this mainly because I think I'm right in thinking you, it's underseen um but I, we always like to, to have a little chat about about is it you know is it underrated based on the sort of uh, the reception at the time so um, to give you an idea, um, I, IMDb gives it at the time of recording six point four, and the Rotten Tomatoes gives it sixty two percent. From the critics, are quite similar, and the audience give it forty nine percent. So, what what would you say about that, Chris? Is that underrated? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Like you'd you'd ex- well, I mean, actually, I, I think I remember when it came out. We saw it when it came out, and I remember then the reception at the time was ooh, not quite sure you know there was a there were i remember reading quite a few reviews that weren't just um weren't raving about it they were kind of yeah they were slightly unsure um as to how they felt um so yeah you know i do feel like that is doing it uh, a disservice in a way because you know yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I I always try and look on things like Rotten Tomatoes. I always try and look for reviews around about the time when it came out. You know, what did they actually have to say about it, good or bad? And for, for this, that I mean, there wasn't really anything they said that was. You know, there wasn't this bit was ridiculous, or the music was distracting, or this performance was terrible, or anything like that. It was just. It was just sort of like it, the critics might as well have said, "Ah, oh, it was just a bit bleak for me." But that's not really a criticism because it is quite a bleak story. I don't know, what do you think, Ben? Would you say that's underrated? Yeah, I'd definitely say it's underrated. I think that it's very un- it is a very uncomfortable film. Um, and I think particularly at the time, because of who Ewan McGregor was, the audience are going to that film wanting train spotting, you know? Mm. And so train spotting has uncomfortable elements in it, but it's a very cleverly reassuring life-affirming film and you come away from train spotting with a spring in your step um you know thinking how great heroin is um and you don't think that but but <laughs> it's a very it's a very uplifting film despite the very many grim things that happen in it whereas it, it, this, yeah it is a story of someone sort of getting over their addiction isn't it and moving on isn't it ex- so. exactly whereas this is you know again this is very much it's 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 a film where the lead character does nothing and 
you know, gets some things that he doesn't deserve and then gets a kind of internalised punishment whilst getting apparently getting away scot-free with not actual murder but you know it's it's a very it's a it, but it's not an uplifting story by any means um and i think i can i can understand why at the time you know an audience goes wanting more ewan mcgregor and you know like yes they get him completely naked but apart from that it's kind of like it's not quite the ewan mcgregor that you were expecting whereas i think perhaps watching it now it's slightly easier to yeah watch it as a performance rather than as part of a a star's history you know it's it's kind of like you're, you're not necessarily expecting to see the star you and mcgregor you're just able to enjoy what i do think is an absolutely fantastic performance by him you know oh absolutely and it's it's that it's almost that downside of fame which which people have sort of talked about certainly more recently which is you know you become a product and yeah. and and if people are going in expecting like you say train spotting or you know obi-wan kenobi or big fish or something like that yeah um then you're not going to get that and if you've ever appreciated an actor and wanted to sort of watch everything they've done there is stuff not everything is you know hit after hit after hit hit because an actor will take a job and an actor will do what they can with a role but sometimes if work's coming in you, you know you've got to yeah, be sometimes to it just it. doesn't work out you know yeah like, yeah, yeah. it's and, a hard hard thing to get right yeah but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and I think it's not a film for everybody and it's not a film for every mood. It's not, you know, what, what should we put on tonight? Hey, I know, let's... let's. It's a four-quadrant movie. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be like the only thing I had to say about it, which is like, yeah, I can't imagine sitting there being like, should we put Young Adam on on a Saturday? <laughs> on, on a Saturday. But, then, but then a lot of the great films, I've never said that about Schindler's List. You know, I've, or, or, no. or I've never even said it really about anything like something like The Godfather. Because, you know, films are, sometimes these films are these beautifully, wonderfully crafted things, but, you know, they're not always something you want to unwind with. Sometimes mm. sometimes no, you think, do want, you know, a Marvel yeah, film or something. Absolutely. But I think also it's not actually, it's sort of not actually depressing. Like, there are some films that sort of fall into, the, like Leaving Las Vegas, where you go, that is just relentlessly, remorselessly <laughs> yeah. awful, in a brilliant way, but awful. And you go, yeah, I never want to, watch that again though i adored it um or downfall you know amazing film i never want to see downfall again mm. I, you know you know not fun um particularly i don't want to see it re-subtitled um for comic purposes i think i've <laughs> I've, 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 I've i've had that one um but whereas like yeah it was nice actually to do this and to go because again i hadn't actually watched it since we saw it and i think we saw it in edinburgh so like before it was even officially released you know it's like we probably saw the premiere of it yeah um one of the first couple of screenings and you know i can see it had a huge impact on us without quite noticing at the time you know like i knew i'd enjoyed it but i didn't there were sort of bits of it that i've seen come out in our work since that i hadn't quite realized had gone in quite as deep <laughs> as they had um but um yeah but you know i think it is a film that that actually rewards multiple viewings but yeah you definitely have to you know but if you're if you're in the mood for watching amazing actors, then I mean just some of the just some of the sequences of of Mullen and Peter Mullen and Tilda Swinton and Ewan McGregor, just just some of those sequences are just just edible. P- Peter know. Peter Mullen is just true. He can do he can be the warmest, cuddliest type yeah. character in the world, and then before you know it, he can be the nastiest bastard you've ever seen. 
Yeah. And he's just, it's such a skill to be able to, be able to do that. But um, no, you're right. It's wonderfully, wonderfully performed, very well written, looks amazing. So, and it's definitely one I think pe- people should see if they like, if they like the actors that are in it. And, and yeah. Yeah. And again, like the way Swinton goes from like starts out and she's just so kind of like browbeaten and, and, down and you just kind of like you know that character and normally in films that woman is just unhappy and you know like the most she hopes for is someone to come along and push her horrible husband into the water and then she gets to go away you know go away happy with her child and you go that's that's your lot and instead she has this whole arc where she like you know discovers this love that she didn't think that she was worthy of and sort of discovers this sexuality and this freedom and then has this whole kind of strength and power and then it's 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 an incredible kind of journey that she takes that character on and I think that she's so it's so brilliant watching someone see what she you know a a, a, what is a secondary character and go I can play this as a lead character and I can take this this kind of like footnote person and turn them into a woman a person who actually has a story and you know gets to the point where I can just give you that one look and that breaks your heart and that tells you all you need to know about her future and her past it's just yeah it's a brilliant performance well, uh, there we go. I think we're all agreed. It's it's underseen. It's it's under it's underrated. So we'll add it to the ever growing pile of underseen and underrated films. Um, Chris Ben, thanks very much for for coming on. Um, hope you Pleasure. enjoyed thanks talking about us. it. Um, what do we what do we see what do we see from you guys next? Uh, so I'm BBC I player at the moment. You can see Out of Her Mind, which is a comedy series written and uh, starring Sarah Pascoe, um, which is nothing like Young Adam. No. <laughs> But is 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 uh, I mean, actually, you know, it's got a lot of heart and a lot of emotion uh, to it, whilst being very funny and very clever in the way that Sarah is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it feels like it really has uh, more of an impact than you'd expect from something that supposedly is just a family sitcom. Yeah, it's true. Juliet Stevenson is in it, and she is amazing. Um, so yeah, just in terms of jumping from one amazing actor to another. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have actually watched all of Out of Her Mind, and I, I must say I can't recommend it enough. I thought it's so sort of um, it's it's very theatrical. It's very it's got its own sort of style. It looks brilliant. It's like it reminded me a little bit, and this it might seem like a bit of a mad comparison, but of of things like Bronson. <laughs> so because and I know that's not a mad thing, but what I mean is in the way if you like sort of Brechtian theatre and if you like things breaking the th- fourth wall, this is the show for you because that is exactly yeah. what happens in it. You know, not only does Sarah break the fourth wall playing herself, but the people playing her family are it's the, one of those shows that breaks the fourth wall so many times. You don't actually know there's a moment where her sister, um, played by is it Fiona Button. Fiona Button. Fiona Button, yes. She breaks the fourth wall, but it's like almost as her. She's like, you know, I was hired to play her sister or something. And I was like, it was like that bit in Deadpool. was like, is that 16 walls or something like that? It was like, <laughs> you know, was, there's so many walls. But no, it's it's well worth checking out. And it is on it is on the iPlayer. So do do check that out. Yeah, cool. And um, our first film we made was called Nina Forever, which is on um, iTunes and Amazon uh, to buy. Uh, or indeed, you can go to ninaforever.com and uh, buy a Blu-ray from us. <laughs> Um, which uh, yeah is um, is also a slow, slightly slow moving, um, heartfelt thing 
that involves quite a bit of sex. And yeah, stylistically, it and Young Adam have quite a few similarities going on, although Nina's definitely a bit weirder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll we'll put a link out to that when the episode goes out so people can check it out. Cool. Thank you very much. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. it's been great. Uh, well, there we go. Another episode in the bag. Thanks very much to Chris and Ben for coming on. I thought that was a really interesting chat. Got a lot deeper than I thought it was going to get at, at points, but that's that's why we love that's why we love doing the pod. Uh, yeah, please do get in touch if you've got a film you'd like us to do. If you want to give us an opinion on a film we've already done, then we want to hear from you. The email address is filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, Films and That Pod. Please do check us out. Um, yeah, Alice, thank you very much for joining me as ever. Pleasure as always, Josh, and thank you. Uh, and it's goodbye from me. We'll do another film for you next week. Cheerio. Bye. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.